The following audio is via a Skype call. You understand what that dog says? Sure, we all do. Come on, gang. Let's split up. Now, hold on a second there, mister. We're going after some creepy ghost person, and you want us to split up? Well, yeah. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday to you. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And what an hour it will be. We have a charismatic couple, as I like to refer to them, Tanya and Joey Medea. Great people. They're the kinds of friends you just wish you could meet face to face. Don't we all have some of those? You get on the phone, you do some work with them, and you go, man, we got to get together and break bread sometime. And I hope that that happens. Isn't going to happen this weekend, Suzanne, because we're battening down the hatches. Fortunately, we're on the west side of Florida, on the Gulf side. But my thoughts are with people who live along the Atlantic because the Atlantic side of Florida is bracing for a hurricane, which may or may not make landfall here. Probably it will. Maybe it will be a tropical storm by the time it hits rather than a hurricane. We just don't know because that's the nature of hurricanes. That's the last thing we need when we're dealing with the COVID crisis in Florida having such problems in that regard. So we're going to take an hour and talk about spooky stuff. We're going to have fun. Almost defiantly, we're going to talk about ghosts and haunted houses and the everlasting nature of true love. When you talk about the Medeas, I mean, you've got that. They have that in spades. Before we bring on the Medeas, and I've got something to say about uh, Tanya here. You've got something to say about Joey. Let's say hi to tall guy Nathan. How are you this morning, Nathan? Uh, it is a dark and stormy morning, mainly for there. me and you, for you in the uh. Florida area with the <laughs> hurricane coming on the way. But here in Seattle area, a little bit darker in the morning, not quite stormy. Do have a little bit of rain coming our way, but we've been used to seeing some sunshine and really clear skies. So. Not as quite as bright as it used to be. All right. Well, the great thing about... Uh, are there, do they have the fires there this year? No, I haven't heard anything about that. Oh, uh, good. If, well, unfortunately, yeah. if we there are there fires, they're mainly... Ago. Yeah, the fires and the smoke were horrific coming in from Vancouver. So if they, you're not having a big fire season, then that's good. And unusual because that got to be an annual event. As soon as I would hear Wenatchee in summertime, I figured the story had to be about a, a wildfire. But we'll count our blessings wherever we find them these days, will we not? Suzanne, we have, and we're always glad to have Nathan with us on yes, Saturdays. Yes. He's a good time waiting to happen. He is. So is this hour, a discussion with Joey and Tanya Medea. Now, you've got an intro for Tanya. I'm going to do the honors with Joey. How about that? I think that's fair. Tanya Medea is a registered yoga teacher, Reiki master teacher, and licensed massage therapist. She's passionate about helping people on their journey. Her lifelong experiences with the paranormal letter into paranormal investigating and she has been working in the field since 2009. Tanya offers workshops on developing intuition, yoga, meditation and dream work. And now Joey. Joey Medea is a screenwriter, audio dramatist, playwright, novelist, actor and director. 
Although he has written several main stage musicals and dramas, he specializes in historical education theater and participatory plays for youth, often heard to say har because he makes a good pirate. And this is not even to speak to their passion. It's more than a side hustle. It is a passion that they share, and we're going to talk about a lot of that in the remaining minutes of this hour. Joey and Tanya, welcome to Manson Mitchell. Thank you so much. When I think of the two of you, and I put this on Facebook because I really meant it and I wanted people to really get that what you two have is very special. People can take one look at a photograph of the two of you, as I did recently, uh, one night and the next day, out of nowhere, Suzanne says, hey, let's book Tanya and Joey Medea. We haven't had them on for a while after I had had you in my consciousness. That's spooky. And I thought, what a charismatic couple. You two are. I think that's a proper term for who you are and what you have going. You have a charisma. And when you two are working together, that leads to another fancy word, synergy, so that the product of your merged consciousness is more than one plus one. Do you agree? Tanya? <laughs> I'll give the lady I, first. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. I think it's really cool, too. It kind of speaks to the connection that you and Suzanne have, that you saw our picture, you were thinking of us, and she picked up on your wavelength, which definitely speaks to the connection that you two have as another charismatic couple. We'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Thank you. That's why I always <laughs> give her first word. It's, you know, 20, 20 years ago when we really started on this part of our, our journey, the exploration of the spiritual and the paranormal, um, we had a dear uh, mentor, my aunt Annette, my, uh, on my father's side, his older sister, very Italian and, and very skilled in the healing arts and really got Tanya on her path. And we were studying with her and her husband one day. And they kind of, we all put our books down and they looked at each other and they looked at us 20 years ago and they said, you two are each pretty spectacular on your own, but together, wow, we can't wait to see what you do. And unfortunately, she succumbed to a brain aneurysm about 12 or 15 years ago, but she is with us actually now and especially lately communicating with my great grandmother, which is really cool. And, um, but it, but we really feel like, now is the time where we're really starting to to actualize that observation from 20 years ago. So, so it means so much that you say that at this time. Joey, do you subscribe to the theory that you and Tanya may have had a contract before you came into this lifetime to meet and work together? Wow, Suzanne, you know, it's taken me a long time. The, the whole... My nature where I'm kind of like all about free will and you make your own way and that's what I get up and do like 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So the whole idea of a of a contract, Tanya will tell you, that's been a really long journey for me. But I certainly do believe that there's the depth of our connection is so strong that it has to come not just from this lifetime, not just from the past 23 years. So. I would say because of Tanya on a lot of levels, my answer to that question right now is yes. 
Good. Well, thank you. We'll get to yeah. the notion of earthbound spirits later, because that's not the context that we're discussing right now. We will definitely get to that. But for me, the idea of a couple getting together, if I'm going to be more than simply romantic in a Valentine's Day way, if I'm going to look at it through a metaphysical lens, I like to think the more hopeful side of me, Tanya and Joey, is that we get together to accomplish something that we could not do on our own, and certainly in a way that would not be as pleasurable during this earthly journey without the accompaniment, the companionship of somebody who is soul to soul, kin to us, and the effects of that ripple out throughout life among all the people that we know and who get to know us. I, I, I agree. Tony, do you want do you want to tell them what Jeremy said when he was three? Yes. Yeah, so um, Joey and I met. I mean, the circumstances under which we met were just extraordinary in and of themselves. And when we met, my son Jeremy was three years old, and he said one day to Joey, "Do you know why the angels brought you to us?" And Joey said. No, and tell me. And he said, because they knew that I needed a daddy and mommy needed a husband. So at three years old, he was pretty tuned in. Boy, I would say so. Well, I love that, that it works that way. It seems to be that case. And I don't try to romanticize this stuff. It, it's a matter of purposeful living involves people with whom we cannot simply get along, but who become partners in every sense. Tanya, which which one of you got into the paranormal first and then brought the other person in? That's a great question. We I I would say that we got into it together jointly, but a lot of it I mean, I had a lifelong interest in it because I've just been a lifelong experiencer since since I was at least four or five. I recall having experiences that I couldn't explain. I had a grandmother who was a psychic medium who taught me a lot. And so I had a natural curiosity for most of my life. And then once Joey and I got together and pretty much every house that we lived in, uh, which we talk about a great deal in, uh, in our books, uh, was haunted. And so Joey likes to say that we got tired of the paranormal investigating us, so we decided to turn the tables and investigate the paranormal. I, I like that. I like that. And um, and Joey, you've been not only investigating the paranormal, but what I find so intriguing about the work that you do, which uh, is you're one of the only ones that we talk to that investigates pirates. And how long has that been going on? That was, um, that started, I think, five years now. Now, I would say every third or fourth year as a child, I dressed up like a pirate. It's a very prevalent archetype for me. And I think about a year ago, last time we were on with you guys, one of you asked me if I thought I was a pirate in a previous life. And so many people have said that, which is what the answer I gave you then, but, but now that, that it could very well be. So we moved to Beaufort, North Carolina, and talk about their probably going to have the tropical storm on Monday, but I know they're laying down sandbags and battening down the hatches. And North Carolina has gotten battered the past three or four years every year. So our hope, um, our positive thoughts are with them. 
So with my long hair and my earring and my beard, we were in a meeting with a real estate agent. And she stopped and she said, did anybody ever tell you you look like a pirate? And I said, yeah, I've heard that a couple of times. And she picked up the phone and called people where I went on this journey and I created this character named Angus McGregor. He's from the Scottish Highlands in the early 1700s. And his uh, uncle was Rob Roy, uh, the infamous outlaw. And it just caught on. I mean, I've been an actor and a writer. I don't know. I have 11 or 12 books out there, 20-something plays, three screenplays. Uh, I've been an actor and or director in hundreds of productions, a couple of films, and nothing caught on like Angus and the pirate thing. So like a surfer on the coast, I've just been riding the wave, and it's it's taken me to Japanese television and major magazines and the second book telling Angus's story is about to come out in October with more on the way. And I do this one man show that's turned into a musical and it's, I don't want to go on and on, but what really intrigues me is that the pirates are very misunderstood and the pirates in the circle that Angus was in were very much about equality, liberty, fraternity. And it was very much in the early 1700s, a rehearsal for the French and American revolutions. And and right now with everything going on in the world with social justice and of course racism leads back to slavery and that is the roots of slavery at that time for the sugar plantations in Bermuda and Jamaica and Barbados. Um things that we're still trying to to get away from and of course the colonies in America um they brought the slaves over. And here were these guys saying we're, we're a band of brothers, and we're, we're being trod upon. Our fate is being limited because of these governments, these unjust governments. And anybody who knows their history knows at the time that all of the humor, European crowns, even though they were fighting amongst each other, um, were all uh, family members. And that's where the disputes came from um, in the time of the pirates. Uh, they were all cousins and so um, so it's very, very resonant with me and very topical, and people love it. I think the pirate archetype is very strong in the world. I think it is, too. Now, in their trade, as a practical matter, if you go to Somalia, you can see all the pirates you want, as long as they're willing to be seen. And yes, there there is a commercial aspect to that. And you know, and I say this tongue in cheek, I blame Disney for all this. Actually, they're not yeah. blameworthy there. But in the case of Disney, you got Disney pirates. And I will confess to you, Tanya and Joey, that when I used to go to Disneyland, where I grew up seven miles from Disneyland, it was nothing for us to go to Disneyland. You went there after a while. You went there when you were bored. I would go to Disneyland and it became a custom with me that the first ride I would go on was Pirates of the Caribbean. Once it was up and running and I went, I was, pardon the pun, hooked. And I would go in there and I didn't want to do anything else until I went on the pirate ride. And even back then, I recall thinking, you know, pirates probably were a lot dirtier and smellier in many cases, but they had a power and a place in the world that can't be adequately explained, nor can justice be done to their role in history by reducing them to essentially cartoon characters or figurines that do funny things for tourists. Right. Right. You know, that's with, true. And, you know, that really hooked me. When I was 13, uh, we took a band trip down to, to Florida and and I was too chicken and have terrible motion sickness. So while everybody went on all the other rides. 
I just went on Pirates of Caribbean over and over again. So if I close my eyes to this day, 30, nope, 28 years later, nope, 38 years later, 38 years later, I can still see those animatronic people. Um, so that's neat that we shared that, Gary. It is. And, and I have uh, now, of course, uh, I go to Disney World. I haven't been there in a few years, but uh, we went uh, probably 15 times in one year. I think that's our personal best, Suzanne. And we went on Pirates of the Caribbean. I was expecting the first time in the new iteration of that theme. We went there and Suzanne and I were both surprised that the whole operation seems to have been taken over by Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yep. And I'm okay with that. I like Johnny Depp. I think he's a magnificent actor. And all, but I go, wait a minute, that's not what I remember when I was a teenager. <laughs> it, right. It's gotten to be different, of course, with the movie franchise being as popular as it is. With things Disney-fied, of course, they don't want to make it too scary because they don't want to scare little kids to death. But in your own haunted houses that you've lived in, Tanya, did you find the hauntings to be scary or more like Casper the Friendly Ghost? A little bit of both, actually, or I really should say a lot of both because we've lived in so many places. Um, you know, our mutual friend Rosemary Ellen Guiley used to say that I was uh, a battery, basically, for places. So they may have a little bit of activity, but once I moved in, and then, of course, when our daughter Jolie was with us, she's also a psychic medium, so she was an extra battery. So we would just kind of charge the places up. And we had a fair amount of both, so some really scary things um, as well as some really fun kind of playful things. What kind of fun, playful things would a, would a haunted house have? And just misplacing things or something funnier than that? Well, absolutely. So we've lived in several places that have had young children. Uh, our place in Beaufort, for example, there was a, a young boy that my daughter and I would both see quite frequently. And uh, he would just kind of pop in and out. I would put toys out for him, and, and the toys would move. So he would play with the toys. He used to really be drawn to our daughter, Jolie. So when she was sitting on the, on the recliner watching television, she would always feel someone kind of tug at her foot. And uh, I'd look over, and there he'd be just trying to get her attention. He would peek around corners and just really fun, playful things like that. We also have a little boy here in our current home here in Ohio. Um, he's from a different time period, but he's also a little, mischievous, a little mischievous and playful as well. With him, I thought what was really cute is I had come up from North Carolina to look at this house before we decided to take it. And I was seeing the little boy, you know, my first visit here, he was in a closet in one of the upstairs bedroom, and I waved at him, and he waved at me. And so I took a photo of the closet to see if anything would come out, any orbs or anomalies or anything. Well, nothing came out in the photo, but when I got back down to North Carolina, something happened on my phone that had never happened at, before and has never happened since. And I got a notification from my phone that said, you have a photo memory. And the photo memory was from two days prior, and it was the photo that I had taken of the closet with the little boy. So I took that as a reminder from him, hey, don't forget about me. I'm here. So um, we've just had uh, lots of funny things. Things go missing, as you mentioned. A house that we lived in in West Virginia, there was a young girl there. And... 
um, at that time, we hadn't really started in earnest our, our journey as paranormal investigators. So I was seeking some um, input from a psychic. And what he said is the little girl really liked to play games with Joey and that she would hide his things. And sure enough, at that time, things that Joey really needed, things like keys or uh, items for work, would just go missing, but always right when he really needed them, like when he was really in a hurry. And the psychic had said that she just liked to do that to kind of get Joey to lighten up because he was too serious. When I when I think of friendly ghosts other than Casper, which is the ghost I grew up with on television, I think of the movie Beetlejuice where um, the couple that's there that is um, haunting is is um, friendly. I mean, you in the end of the movie, everybody gets to live together. If you're in a haunted house, are you more eager for them to be out of there and trying to figure out how to rid your house of, of ghosts? Or are you kind of accommodating the fact that they are there and it's okay if you're all living together? It, again, just kind of depends on, on how they are. But if they're friendly, we're, we're perfectly fine. If they want to stay, we're fine with sharing the space. In fact, another one of the ghosts that uh, I saw on my first visit here to see this house was of a man I didn't know at the time, but later came to discover that he was the man who built this home. So this home has only had two uh, previous owners. The man who built the house in 1929 uh, his last name was Humes, and another couple who bought it in the 50s and stayed here until they both passed um, about five, six years ago. So um, I was able to find out that that's who it was. Uh, it was getting the name Frank, and initially Frank wasn't too happy about us being here, it seemed, because, again, Joey was targeted, and uh, it seemed like he was really upset that Joey had taken up uh, residence for his office in the built-on sun porch in the back. And Joey would go in and find uh, things of his turned over or moved, misplaced again. And Frank would make a lot of racket, make a lot of noise. Uh, again, oh, you guys are, you introduced us to Carol Bromley, who we've since yes. become good friends with. And shortly after we moved in here, I got a reading from Carol, and she was able to um, tell me about a little more about Frank. And also, my mother had just passed at that time, and that's actually why I was getting the reading from Carol. And she said, your mom is there, and she keeps telling this man to stop messing with the lights, that it's really rude, and he needs to stop messing with the lights. And sure enough, at that time, the lights had been flickering, particularly the one in the hallway upstairs. So uh, I made peace with Frank. Eventually, I decided that what he really wanted was just to be acknowledged and to be sort of included as part of the family. So I started leaving when I would make coffee for us in the morning. I would leave a cup of coffee out on the counter for Frank. And um, that seemed to be the trick because everything that was associated with him really quieted down after that. Joey's things uh, weren't moved any longer. Uh, there was one thing he was doing where Joey would go in the shower and all of a sudden, all the hot water would go away. And that was something else that Carol picked up on in her reading. She said, what's going on in the shower like the water's turning cold? So she's amazing, by the way. And we so appreciate you guys introducing us to her. But, yeah, so it can be really fun. And it, you just, you know, it really just depends. Now, we have had some 
experiences in other homes where it, it was terribly frightening and it was frightening for our children and what was happening was not fun at all. It wasn't something that we wanted to uh, allow to be part of our daily lives. So again, it really just kind of depends on what the intention of these ghosts or entities is. Tanya, you've given me a nice lead here. We've got a couple of minutes before we have to go to break. So I would like to bring this up. And on the other side of the break, you and Joey and Suzanne and I want to get into your book. You can tell people all about it. its uh, I don't know if it's been actually published right now yet, but it's on the way for sure. And I'm proud to say we are the first show, the first interviewers to be able to discuss this book with you. That's exciting. So thank you. But I did want to just tease this subject matter before the break by asking you, to what can you attribute hostile encounters with these spirits, be they apparitions or not? If there's poltergeist activity, I understand how you can have a noisy ghost being playful. That's one thing. But to what do you attribute this encounter with a hostile energy at a home that you were seeking to make your own in a loving and responsible way. Where is that coming from? Well, in the case of one home that we lived in in New Jersey, um, it was the opinion of um, Joey's aunt, who he mentioned, our mentor, uh, that, that there was a portal, and it wasn't just our house, but it was the entire street. And the types of experiences that we were having there, definitely hostile, not friendly. It seemed to be targeting everyone in the family. So whatever it was, and it wasn't a human uh, entity, uh, by the way, we're not entirely sure if the only entity was the one that Joey and I both saw, but we did both independently see some sort of humanoid creature with a hog's head at one point. And when I saw it, it had on some sort of military uniform with epaulets. When Joey saw it, it was just sort of a floating head. Um, it, ter it terrified Joey. When I saw it, for some reason, I wasn't afraid. I think because it was so bizarre that I wasn't really believing what I was seeing. Um, but, of course, I believed it when Joey saw the same thing a couple of days later. Um, so there were just – it was just a really malevolent um, – energy in that house. What it was attributed to, I'm not sure. Um, we have encountered malevolent entities in other, maybe not our homes, but places that we've investigated. And again, it, it just varies depending on what you're dealing with, what their intention is. Sometimes they just weren't a nice person in life, so they're just not a nice person in the afterlife. So I guess I would have to say it really just depends and Joey, do you, do you ever think that when you see these kinds of things, particularly in the case of a hostile encounter, that maybe they're doing something quite human by being territorial? What are you doing in my house? I I think it's that Gary when it's when they're non-human things. Now, um, previous owners of homes who don't like the renovations you're doing, or Frank didn't like all my modern electronics, my audio recording equipment and my computers going all the time. And those create an electrical signal that was probably just very disturbing to a guy who was, you know, who, who built this house and parts of the house in the 1920s. I think with a non-human entity, what we have found is they're tied to the land. And that's something we can talk about after the break. But these are like either elemental spirits 
or maybe tied to the blood land feud um, between, say, the natives who were here and the colonialists who came in, the pioneers. Um, we've seen that. And those are some of the fiercest, hardest to displace and really the scariest. We're really getting this subject warmed up. I love this. It's our great pleasure to talk with Joey Medea and Tanya Medea, our charismatic couple. <laughs> and we're going to be visiting with them some more on the other side of a short break. We're Manson Mitchell. We're talking about all things spooky today just because it's fun to do. Glad to have you with us. Stay tuned. You're right here at Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. And we'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. My son Levi was so proud to turn three, but he will never get the chance to turn four. I'm Nicole Hughes, Levi's mom, and while on a family vacation, his childhood was snatched away when I turned to close a bag of chips. He was sitting on the couch surrounded by friends, and I split a brownie with him, and then somehow he slipped out the back door unnoticed down a flight of stairs and fell into the pool. When I jumped in to grab my son, the other half of the brownie was still in my mouth. I never thought my child would drown, but I was wrong. Drowning is the single leading cause of death for children ages one to four. It is silent and fast, and it can happen even when you aren't swimming. Drowning is preventable. Please talk with your pediatrician about how you can keep your child safe. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Jerry Mathers, who takes us back to the golden years of television and his role as Theodore Cleaver in the sitcom Leave it to Beaver. On Saturday, Jody Levon, the happy medium, brings her own perspective to a discussion about the afterlife and the storm of crises in 2020. Bringing you mastery and mystery one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. 
Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. Thank you, Classics 4, for Spooky. We have Tanya and Joey Medea, and they're all about the spooky. Tanya, if people would like to connect with you, um, what is your website, and what is your new book? What is that about? Well, thank you. Um, So my website, unfortunately, was hacked. So currently, while I'm waiting for a new website, uh, people can reach out to me through Facebook. And my Facebook page is Tanya Medea, R-Y-T-R-M-T-L-M-T. And I also recently completed my certification in hypnosis. So I have uh, a hypnosis practice as well. And they can find me there under Skyline Hypnosis. Okay. And and your book, is that out yet? Is it coming out? So our book will be coming out in October, and it is titled Roommates from Beyond, How to Live in a Haunted Home. Oh, I love that. Gary and I are so eager to get our hands on that book. And Joey, you you, you work in concert with Tanya, but you also have your own thing going on. So how can people connect with you? Right. So again, you know, Facebook is really handy for it. And as well as Instagram and Twitter, I'm active on all three of those. And you can just search for Joey Medea. I have two pages on Facebook, Joey Medea and Joey Medea professional page. Professional page is more about my acting and the books and all of that, but either page will work. I love hearing from everyone. I love being in contact with folks. Um, Also, we have our show on Friday afternoons, which you can watch on the Sky Door Network on Facebook, and it is called Into the Outer Realms. It's every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And Gary and Suzanne, I don't know if you know this, but two weeks ago it was picked up by KGRA Alternative Radio, and um, they play an audio version only of our show Tuesday nights, 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time which is really exciting um, to reach a broader audience. And we follow Richard Dolan, who I just admire so much. So, Oh, yeah, um, we've talked to him. Yeah. He's wonderful. And congratulations on that. It's yeah. great to have that platform. Very nice. Yes, thank you. Yeah, just two weeks ago we were approached. And, um, you know, the, the fact that we can do both, so we can do the video show on Fridays, um, which is a mix of having guests, um, all experts from, oh, we've had, Palm readers and tarot readers. Carol Bromley was a guest. Um, I Ching experts, uh, paranormal investigators, cryptid experts. It's been a really wonderful journey. And we did two or three weeks ago for fans of Rosemary Ellen Guiley, we did a tribute because it's it, it, it was just the one-year anniversary of her passing. Yes. Um, and Rosemary's still very active um, to a number of people, and we're very blessed to count her amongst us. So... Um, but yeah, people should definitely reach out. I, I absolutely love that. Wonderfully stated. And man, where do I want to go with this? Uh, let me just go ahead and take it step by step. It's great that you have that platform, particularly at this time. Now, Joey, you just said it's one year since we lost our dear friend and a paranormal superstar, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And she can pop into our home anytime. She's been a guest in our home. 
and we really enjoyed knowing her. It was a privilege and a pleasure, and it would be great to hear from her sometime. I need to get a reading. <laughs> that would be terrific, unless she wants to make a, an appearance in our home. She's welcome anytime, as I say. But Joey and Tanya, here's what I had to say to the two of you. And I'm not saying this as fluff. I'm not saying this because you're guests on our radio show. I believe that generationally, the two of you are doing more than merely making a splash, which you are. I believe that it is important and highly relevant for the two of you to be engaged in this paranormal or ghost research work together. And the reason why I think it's so timely for this to be the case is that we did lose Rosemary a year ago. In the UFO field, the great Stanton Friedman passed away a year or so ago. We are losing these people who were the leading lights, and the hanging question is, who will take their place? I think there is room for the two of you to be in the vanguard of the next generation of researchers. Well, thank you. That, that means we met Stanton um, three days before he died. Oh, my. Um, yeah, and, and of course, we studied with Rosemary for, for a decade, for a decade. And it was eight years before we, quote, unquote, went out on our own and undertook what became the two-year investigation of the Web Library. Um, so so if, if we're holding the mantle, and it, it wasn't until after Rosemary passed that people came to us and said, you know, Rosemary talked about you all the time, and you know, we'd like to give you an opportunity, or we know that Rosemary said, oh, you really should. So we take that um, beyond seriously. So so thank you for that, because, of, of course, we respect your opinion um, almost above all. So thank you so much. Yes. You're quite you. welcome. I, everything Joey said. <laughs> I, I can. It's what an honor. I know. Well, thank you. Likewise. And I, I foresee future appearances on Manson Mitchell, that's for sure. And occasionally even on the other show I do, which is American Road Trip Talk, because you two are well-traveled and well-versed. And that's part of the romance of life. You know, and I'm just going off the path here very slightly. It's fascinating to me how people are stuck at home a lot of the time because we want to remain safe. But when we get out there again, everybody has a mental checklist, call it a bucket list, if you will, of places they want to visit that are so meaningful and yet they have not visited them and they want to get to it. They're champing at the bit right now in order to get out and have adventures again. And you're the perfect couple to lead the way, particularly when it comes to haunted locations. In fact, you've written this book. And you gave the title to us during the break because I wanted to get it down precisely. It's called Roommates I can't read. I'm sorry, I'm looking beyond. at your Thank you, Roommates. <laughs> I'm going to remember. What are you talking about? Roommates from Beyond, How to Live in a Haunted Home. How interesting that you didn't say haunted house. The subtitle refers to a haunted home. I have to believe that was deliberate. It sure was. So I'm the language guy, the word guy, but really part, part of kind of being in the vanguard of the new generation is there have been a lot of bad practices. And, and normally I wouldn't bring this up except, you know, we just talked about our mentor and carrying her torch, Rosemary, talked about this a lot, every opportunity she had. The reality shows have done a lot of damage to the perception. The same way you talked about how, you know, pirates got disnified to their detriment. 
And I think these shows with Hell and Devil and Portal to Hell and Hello to the Devil and the Portal to Hell, you know, all these different TV shows. And, you know, they're doing entertainment at the expense of truth at a really crucial time for UFO disclosure, for the fact that more people have experiences of the paranormal, ghost spirits believe in them at this time. So a haunted house, we think of Disney, Disney's haunted house. We think of Halloween and going through a thing where there's actors with blood splurting everywhere and, and rat tails on your ankles and, and all those different kinds of fun things. And all of that has its place. Um, if we can differentiate between reality and fiction. So our first book, Watch Out for the Hallway, our two-year investigation of the most haunted library in North Carolina about the Webb Library, that was a very specialized book in a way that it was about a specific place and our experiences there. Um, Roommates from Beyond is our opportunity now after 20-something years of of experiencing all of this and half of that time being paranormal investigators to help people with a haunting. So Suzanne, you were asking Tanya earlier um, about, you know, do you want them out of your house? Do you want them in your house? We all, I think have particular thresholds. Some of us are cut out for living in the country and some of us couldn't survive a day. Some of us are cut out for living in the city. Others of us couldn't survive a day. And I think that managing a haunting in your home is very much that way. Um, Do you want it? Because sometimes we get phone calls and the person will say, my maid won't come back to the house because she saw an apparition and it freaked the cat out a little and we just want it gone. Like you have to exercise it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's hold on and let's, let's see what we can find out and let's see what can be done. Um, So this book is very much, if you have a haunting, if you're interested in this, this is a practical guide um, it's, it's got all kinds of tools for the toolbox at the front and back end. And the middle is pretty lengthy descriptions of our experiences in the various homes and then case studies where the people that we went in, the clients, were gracious enough to allow us to tell their story, mostly a- anonymously, but still with a lot of detail. So, so this new book is really exciting to us. We think that it really can, can contribute to the dialogue and undo a lot of um, misperceptions about the living and the dead and their relationship. Well, I'm glad that you said that, Joey, because it, it kind of reminds me of not everybody will want to get rid of their ghosts, and some people will be happy to have somebody, a, a roommate in their home who's not uh, adding to their grocery bill. <laughs> and provides a little entertainment, and and that's fine. And I thought that you put it beautifully between the city mouse and the country mouse, because you're right. In in some cases, somebody would not be bothered at all by that, and in other cases, they would be. And so I, I think that's a great distinction. So when the subtitle is How to Live in a Haunted Home, you're not necessarily saying how to get rid of your hauntings in your home. You're saying how to live in a haunted home. And I would guess, I have not you know, seen the book yet, that there's going to be adjustments that you make psychologically on how to do that if that is what you want. If you're city mouse, country mouse, haunted home person, not haunted home person, you decide and this is how you accommodate that. Would that be fair? 
It is, and it takes a whole book to tell it because there's so many different factors, right? It's like a, it's like a mathematical equation in algebra, which I couldn't stand, and now I really understand. Um, the, and you have to factor all that in. So what is the nature of the haunting? Is it a positive? Is it someone you know? I mean, if we have, right now I have my aunt, we have Rosemary, and we have my great-grandmother, who I had never met. And because we were talking about her on the show so much, and a cousin of mine was telling me about her, uh, she started to show up now, which is wonderful. Well, they provide all kinds of really good guidance to us. Um, I was having a little bit of a problem with my heart because of some bad medication that I got several years ago, and particularly scary in the age of COVID because it makes me particularly susceptible to bad things happening. And and they're helping with my healing, and and. I hear it in my heartbeat, and I feel it in my my ability to breathe and to exercise. And um, so these things are very real. So why would you want to get rid of that? Um, but then there are cases where there are dark entities, um, non-human or very angry humans who, you know, take it from manifestation. They take it to infestation where they're really disrupting your home. They're disrupting your home to the point where it becomes oppression. You can't sleep. You're anxious. You feel almost like having your house robbed. You don't quite feel safe in your house again for a long time, if ever. And then it could go into possession. And we have seen possession and potential. So we, so what we say in the book is at the manifestation, when the things start to happen, things move. You hear knocks. You see lights and shadows. Figure out if that's real. If it does, you have a decision to make. Um, do you want to get outside help or you want to try to pursue this on your own? And it depends on the situation. And then you move forward. And there are prescriptions for almost every stage. And it's everything from cohabitation to exorcism and banishment, you know, in the worst cases. Very well laid out, Joey. Yes. Tanya, I want to Thank get you. you in here to tell me if you have any sort of rituals, personal or prescriptive rituals, whatever they might be, to accommodate the presence of a guest. Or if not, if you don't care to accommodate a ghostly guest, you can, to use the crude phrase, get rid of them or exorcise them. But I'm wondering if there is a way that would be commonly understood on both sides of the veil as to how to deal with the fact that you have a non-corporeal presence in your home. Sure. So for me, I see them. So when I do see them, I acknowledge them. Um, you know, sometimes you're dealing with a residual haunting, so there's no intelligence there. It's just a energy imprint. But if it is an intelligent haunting and there's someone there, I'll acknowledge them and talk to them. Um, if Unless it's something like the, uh, the entity I mentioned with the hogshead. That's not really um, something I would want to try to necessarily engage with depending again on the circumstance but first and foremost just they're just for the most part if you're dealing with a ghost they're just people without bodies so I engage with them exactly the same way I would engage with anyone else and try to find out uh, you know what is it that that they would like uh, is there something that that they're seeking is it just acknowledgement is it usually it's having their story told they want to be remembered and they want people to know what their story was. That's most often the case. Um, and then over and above that, 
like I said with Frank, uh, it seems like he just wanted to be included. So finding ways, if that's what they're seeking, to be included. Sometimes they're just uh, really confused or concerned about crossing over. So I will always ask if they're ready, if they would like, uh, could I give them assistance with crossing over? And I have done that on several accounts as well. So I always... um, offer up too, especially to my clients who are dealing with hauntings in their own homes um, or even just visitations. It's really about, again, energy and intention. So a lot of times people are experiencing activity in their home. And the first things I'll say is keep the energy vibration of not just yourself, but of your home elevated. Uh, for example, Joey and I, there's a, there's a, horror movie that we've been wanting to watch. Uh, it looks really good, and we've been putting it off because of late there's just been uh, an uptick in activity in our home, and we're working on closing a portal that, that our guides helped help us to discover. So we're not going to watch that horror movie because of the energy of it, um, because it will just contribute to um, up-leveling the activity in the home. So if you're really trying to um, deal with something that's frightening you, I always say play music that's uplifting. Classical music is great. Mozart is really wonderful. It's very high vibrational. Uh, or just something that, that makes you feel good. And, uh, you know, watch a lot of comedies. Do a lot of laughing. And just generally try to keep the vibration of your home elevated and, of course, always Keep your own energy vibration elevated. So that has to do, of course, with your thoughts and your intentions and your habits and your practices and so on. I like that. It is. And I've heard stories. I'm going back a long ways here. But I remember reading about people who lived in an angry home. It wasn't the fault of the ghost. There was a bad marriage, perhaps, where the children were having problems. There was a lot of dysfunctional characteristics And with that going on, they began to experience poltergeist activity that could not be put down finally to practical jokes by adolescents. There was a problem there. And when they went for family counseling and people began to get along and love returned to the household, the poltergeist activity stopped. And that's the energy argument, Tanya. That's what you just reminded me of, that if you're going to have an angry home, don't be surprised if angry energy tends to metastasize even metaphysically. That's a lot of, I I think, paranormal activity. It's like you get an angry home going, people aren't getting along, they're fighting, they're cussing each other out. There are entities, so I'm told, I haven't seen them myself, But there are entities who will capitalize on the very fact that you have so much anger to work with. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are entities that absolutely feed on that fear and anger. So that's another thing that we talk about as well. Um, Try not to buy into the fear. Of course, it's always a little unsettling and, and scary, you know, when you discover that that there's a ghost or a spirit in your home. But don't feed into the fear because if it's a malevolent type entity, it's really going to feed on that and just seek to amplify your fear as much as it can. To amplify your fear, to be a fear aggregator. Boy, that's a lousy line of work. Exactly. And under your own roof, people, people buy homes with the best of intentions and then look at what can happen. That is amazing. We had a neighbor here. Suzanne, remember the nice lady that lived here for a while? She's now in assisted living there. But she had a cat. 
And she had this grandfather clock that never worked. She thought it was a beautiful piece of furniture. Couldn't get it to work, no how. Then all of a sudden she moves into this home here in our, our little uh, HO we, we have going here, a villa in Florida terms. So she moves into this villa and she puts the grandfather clock in her living room and she had a cat. All of a sudden the grandfather clock starts chiming. It hadn't worked in many years, nothing. And then all of a sudden it starts chiming at irregular hours and the cat would sit on top of the couch staring at the clock with its hair standing on end. And I thought this, this is really about place and about energy and if you're on the other side of the veil about opportunity to make your presence known. That's what's spooky for me. Oh yeah. Wow, what a great story though. And what she said to the grandfather clock and anyone standing there that she couldn't see because it was not an apparition, it was noise. And she said, this is my home now. I've moved here. This belongs to me. You need to go away because now I live here. I own this place. And after she did that in a a gentle but still confrontational way, claiming her power and claiming her space, the chiming stopped. And then she had her home to herself as long as she chose to live there. And I thought, wow, that's one way to do it. I tend to be more of a PR person. I don't mind having spooks around as long as they are creating problems for me. It's okay. I'm really not too concerned about that. Suzanne, much less welcoming in that regard there. But if you do have a problem spirit that's interfering with your life, you can actually communicate verbally and have and, and make yourself understood. I find that remarkable. Absolutely. In fact, setting boundaries is is a huge part of what we talk about in our book and the importance of that. And I want to make sure that we get this out again because I think everybody should own a copy of this wonderful book. Starting in October. Starting in October. Well, it's it's August 1 as we are broadcasting. So the book is Roommates from Beyond, How to Live in a Haunted Home. And if I understand the thrust of what the Medeas are saying, home becomes the operative word. You are seeking to make a home, to enjoy your home. And if you find that uh, your peace of mind is intruded upon, it can mean any number of things. But awareness is the way to approach it and to overcome fear. You don't want to feed the fear. You want to feed the awareness. I think I have that much of it correct, Tanya and Joey. And when I read your book, and believe me, the day it arrives, Suzanne and I are going to be reading that book together. There's a lot to be gleaned and to be gained from an enjoyable reading experience. Thank you. And thank you for... Gary, that's important. We've made it highly readable, and you you brought up Beetlejuice. And... um, a, a dear friend of mine that I went to college with designed the cover, and it was Tanya's idea to say, you know, the handbook for the recently deceased, we'd like something fun like that. So when people see the book, we don't want it to be off-putting but inviting. And we try to put some humor in it because, like Tanya said, high elevation when you're investigating or dealing with this is absolutely crucial. Joey Medea, Tanya Medea, two of our favorite people that we have yet to meet, but that will happen one day. Thank you for joining us today. Let's do this again. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Coming up next. Jupiter rising. Fantastic. Eileen and Doug are at it again. Have a great and safe weekend, everyone. Mm -hmm.